0: Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, Ben Hogan Golf, Two Under, TaylorMade Golf, and golf pride. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro.
1: Good evening, folks, and welcome to Next on the Tee. If the coronavirus talk out there is making you sick and you want to escape from that for a while and talk some golf, well, you're in the right place. If you're in the southeast and dreaming of the days when it won't be raining and you can go out and actually play some golf, you're in the right place. If you want this golf season to be your best one yet with better equipment and tips for how to shoot lower scores, guess what? You're in the right place. And if you just simply love golf, well, you're in the right place. Tonight, we're going to talk about some of the best equipment on the market. We're going to talk about how to know if your equipment is properly fit to your swing. Plus, we're going to give you some tips for how to hit better shots. And how are we going to do that and who are we going to do it with? Well, my first guest is going to be TaylorMade Senior Vice President of Research and Development, Todd Beach. TaylorMade has got a lot of new and exciting equipment out for this season, starting with their new Sim family of woods and irons. They've also got some great innovations with their wedges their putters, and their golf balls as well, including their new Bigfoot wedge, which I'm very excited about. So a lot to get into with Todd when he joins me in just a few minutes. Following Todd, I'm going to get a return visit from one of the top fitters in the game, Scott Felix. Go check out Scott online at felixclubworks.com. And you know how important it is to get properly fit for your clubs, like we say all the time. We're not good enough not to get fit. Scott and I are going to go through how to know what the right type of clubhead is for your irons, what things like smash factor mean. We're also going to talk about getting fit for a club that we don't think about getting fit for, and that's our putters. So we'll try to get all of that right for you and get your clubs all set up for you for a new golf season when Scott joins me at the bottom of the hour. And then we're going to wrap up tonight's show with a visit from our friend, Golf Channel Academy lead instructor and one of the top instructors in the state of New York, and that's Brian Jacobs. I'm going to talk to Brian about how we can transition all those great shots that we're hitting over on the driving range. And then, you know, when we get over to the first tee then all of a sudden not so much, right? We got to figure out how to transition those good shots over to the first tee. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about how to develop feel for those 20, 30 and 40 yard pitch shots, how to develop feel for those 20, 30 and 40 foot putts on the green. How do we get that right? We'll talk about that. And then a whole lot more when we get to catch up with Brian He'll join me about 45 minutes from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. You know, I always like to start off every show by reminding you about the great shows that Mitch and Matthew Lawrence have. Matthew's show, Backspin Golf, is back from its winter hiatus. It's my regular Sunday morning 8.03 a.m. tea time. You can listen by going online to WLXG.com, and that's ESPN Radio up in Lexington, Kentucky. Our good friend, Perry French, who joined us last week, leads off the first segment with Matthew every week. He shares a lot of great golfing content. Matthew has a lot of great guests, and is just a fantastic host. Listen online again by going to WLXG.com or download the WLXG app. Mitch's show is called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it online at GolfTripX.com. It's also available over on Audioboom, Stitcher and Player.fm. Mitch and his co-host, Darren Bunch, are going to take you around the U.S. and Canada to some of the great places that you can go stay and play. And they also let you know about some of the hidden gem courses that you might not be aware of. Go online to GolfTripX.com and check out their podcast. And folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's take a listen to Steve Rondonero about what's going on up there.
0: It's a Pete Dye masterpiece, the Pete Dye course at French Lake Resort. Pete says its location on one of the highest points in Indiana makes it special. The long views you can see many 20-30
1: miles from
2: many of the fairways and many of the tees and greens and, and you can see them 360 degrees.
0: Donald Ross's hill course put French Lick on the golf map more than 100 years ago. It's where Walter Hagen won the 1924 PGA Championship and the place where today's Semetra Tour ladies battle each year. It's the ambience around it. It makes the golf course. Combine our many resort amenities with legendary golf and you have a getaway like no other. French Lick Resort is the home of the Senior LPGA Championship, won in 2018 by World Golf Hall of Famer Laura Davies. Play the course's champions play. Plan your trip now online at FrenchLick.com.
1: Yeah, folks, be sure to check them out at FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a beautiful resort they have up there and to book your stay as well. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to BobbyJones.com. They've got their new spring collection out now. Their new spring sweaters, polos, and pants, all fantastic. And you're going to see Steve Stricker, Miguel Angel Jimenez, and Ernie Els wearing them out on the Champions Tour. Check it out online by going to BobbyJones.com and enter the coupon code T to save 20% at checkout. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends over at TaylorMade and TaylorMade Sim, featuring the new Sim driver designed with a radical new head shape to make the driver both fast and forgiving, where you need it most, the downswing. Sim irons with an improved speed bridge and echo dampening system to deliver a distance iron with forge-like feel. The Sim fairway woods have a low CG to help you hit it higher, and a V-steel sole to launch it easier out of any lie. Go get fit for Sim throughout your entire bag and experience the effect it's going to have on your entire game. Check it out online by going to TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information on the all-new Sim family. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is TaylorMade Golf Senior Vice President of Research, Design, and Engineering, Todd Beach. Let me remind you a little bit about Todd's background. He earned his undergraduate degree in engineering at the University of California at San Diego and went on to earn his master's in applied engineering from there as well. Started out his career working at Sparta Inc., which makes products for the defense industry for the federal government. Joined TaylorMade Golf back in April of 1995, and I'm very excited to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Todd, thanks for coming back on the show. Hi, Chris. Hey, it's great to be here. Todd, I want to start by talking about all the great new things you guys have for the the 2020 season, and I want to start with the new Sim line. Talk about the advances you guys have made you know, with the whether it's the drivers, the fairway woods, and then we want to talk about the irons as well.
2: Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, I think last time I was on here was back in November, and we had launched some products in the fall, but we knew. I think you'd ask, you know, kind of what? Can you tell me what's coming? And then, Unfortunately, I couldn't, couldn't tell you because we, you know, try to keep that under wraps because just the way we try to, um, story tell the, the product, uh, to the, the golfer as it starts to become available. And then on that big day, I think it was, uh, February 7th was our, what we call PAR day, product at retail day it was an exciting day for all of us here at TaylorMade, um, where we got to launch really a, uh, uh, revolutionary new, way to design a golf club and so much so that we decided it was worthy of a name change where we now have gone from the old M family of, of clubs, starting off with the M1 driver that we launched in fall of 2015 and worked our way all the way up to, you know, the uh, m M5 uh, and, and the M6 drivers that we had last year, um, but we had been working on this new shaping approach that uh, we eventually ended up saying uh, really a good name for this product is is Shape in Motion, which stand which we shortened to SIM, S I M, and uh, I can walk you through a little bit how that works. But we did just uh, launch uh, a new set of of drivers, fairways, and hybrids called SIM. Uh, We have a standard SIM uh, with a sliding movable weight, all the bells and whistles in there. Um, All these drivers have adjustable loft sleeves. Um, And then we have a SIM MAX, which is really just kind of built for max forgiveness. Um, All the weight is put back and low just to increase increase the moment of inertia and forgiveness on that club. Um, And then we also have a MAX D, version of the sim which has built-in draw bias for a lot of those golfers who tend to fight at a fade or slice it has some built-in draw bias for you built into it so pretty excited about the the drivers and we have a, a full lineup of fairways and hybrids like i said as well as irons we have a sim max iron and a sim max os iron um that are pretty interesting that i could talk about as well
1: yeah, so let's let's talk about a couple of things. First of all, is Twist Face still the technology on the face of the club? Did you bring that over from the M series?
2: Oh yeah, we're not walking away from Twist Face. That's going to be in all every driver we make from from uh, that point on. We we initially launched that in the uh, uh, M3 and M4 uh, metal woods, and now we actually have it in all in our fairways and hybrids as well because. We found that twist is uh, just as important there. In fact, we had to add uh, 50% more twist in those in order for it to work properly. So we're excited to still have twist as part of this package.
1: And so Todd, I want to talk about the the fairway woods. And I, and I tell you, one of the weaknesses in my game is hitting a three wood, you know, off the fairway. And I you know, I chunk that shot, I top that shot until. My M6-3 wood from last year, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I remember the first time I had the nerve to, to pull that club out of the bag on a par 5, I was about 235 yards out, and there was a little creek that dissected the fairway in front of the green, and I thought, you know what, this, that's no problem. You know, I'll, I'll never hit it that far. I'll be lucky just to hit it flush. <laughs> and I stepped up the first time, flushed it, it two hopped into the creek and I I gotta be honest, I was never so happy to lose a golf ball and to take a stroke penalty as I was then. I'm telling you, I and I don't know if it's the soul of that three wood and now in into into the three you know, into the sim family that makes it easier to hit off hit off the fairway. I was just, what is it? Why is that so much easier for me to hit than any three wood I've ever done before?
2: Yeah, well this the Sim even more so than the uh, M six has got a brand new uh Sole and we're, it's actually the V steel sole. So we brought back that V steel, which was kind of a legendary fairway wood. It didn't, it wasn't part of a driver family. We never had a V steel driver because it was all about the sole. Um, because that sole really reduces the amount of ground interaction that you have, um, versus a conventional sole because it's got the full contact up near the leading edge, but then it tapers down to a V in the back. So it allows you to have a larger address view for that club for greater forgiveness, but the playability of kind of a smaller, kind of a peanut sized, uh, fairway wood. Um, but yeah, th- I think the other thing we're excited about is we have a titanium version of this sim, uh, fairway wood that has a large steel sole that's in the shape of a V. So it's, it's, the entire sole, the part that t- touches the ground is steel, so it's heavy and very uh, low center of gravity, but it's also, it also gives you less ground interaction. And it's got um, probably one of the lowest center of gravities that we've ever had for a fairway wood, which allows you then to get underneath that ball and get it up for a high launch, kind of penetrating flight. Um, it's also got a brand new face material on there, which we call um, Zaytech. And it's really pretty exciting for us. It's actually the equivalent of, you know, craft beer, um, which is made in small batches. You can get a higher quality beer. Well, this titanium is, we're calling it craft titanium, where we work with the supplier to do small batches to get us higher strength than we've ever seen for any, of my experience, of aerospace applications where they have to make higher quantities, um, and we are able then to get right up to the legal limit on springiness of that face, which is difficult to do for a shallow fairway wood. So it's a it's a rocket-launching machine. It gets the ball up in the air with a really good playability um with that uh, be-still sole, and it's also got our through-slot speed pocket to give you even more speed if you tend to hit a little bit thin, which for me, I think um, that shot you described there, that's one of the hardest shots, if not the hardest shot, for a golfer, is hitting that three-wood off the deck you know, on a long par four or par five. It's a really difficult shot. So this, this club gives you the best chance to have success and distance at the same time.
1: So let's move on to the sim irons. And you've got an enhanced speed bridge and an echo dampening system in those irons. Talk about what that's going to do for us.
2: Yeah, the irons are exciting. Obviously, we've had speed in irons for a while. And one of the challenges, uh, with speed is you're making that face ultra thin. And we've gone even thinner this year than we, than we have been in the past. Um, we're down 17% thinner on that face. And what happens when you do that? Yeah, you're getting more speed, but it's challenging to get that solid feel. And so we have actually have a dedicated sound engineer here at TaylorMade in, in, in our group, um, who, has perfected, I think he's been with the company now 17 years and he's just perfected his ability to design and test for sound and working on new materials. And we have a new design for a damper that goes in behind the face between that and the, um, the bar that, that gets the center of gravity down low and it sandwiches in there and it runs the entire length from heel to toe now. Um, and we call it the echo damper and it's made with a new material. Made by 3M, that's called Hybrar, which is the most highly damp material we've been able to find that allows you then to get really a, almost a forged level of feel. We actually had our team tailor made, um, blindfolded at our, at our photo shoot this year. Um, Tiger Woods wasn't real happy about it, but we blindfolded him and Rory and DJ and we actually had Jason Day was hitting this new iron, this sim iron which has incredible distance and a fast pace, versus a um, 770 iron, which, as you know, is a forged, you know, better player type iron. And those guys, it it was hard for them to tell which one was which. I mean, they they couldn't always pick out that forged feel. So we're right up there close to that forged feel with an incredible distance um, iron. So we're really excited about that. And we actually have a new version this year. So in the past, if you remember with our M-irons, we always had an M1 and an M2, or we had an M3 and an M4. Well, that And the most recent one was the M5 and M6, if you remember last year. And the thing about that M6, that's your workhorse iron um, for your average player, you know, 15 to 10 handicap range, could go up as high as 20. And then I'd say that M5 iron was more for that, you know, scratch player, 5 to 15 handicap, right? Well, the problem is we've got another great iron that's right in the sweet spot for that handicap range, and that's the P790, right? So they were kind of competing with each other. And that P790, we just launched the, the newer version of that uh, this last fall, and that's just killing it. People just love that thing, right? It's got a forged feel with great distance. It's a hollow iron. It's foamed. So we said, why are we competing and kind of cannibalizing ourselves? With that M5 M3 category, why don't we just take and put something on the other side of that M6 iron, and we're going to call that the Sim Max OS. And so we made a little wider sole with a lower CG, um, a little bit more offset, but not too much. It still got a. De- it doesn't look like you got training wheels there. And that thing is a longer distance iron for that golfer that's just you know starting to lose some distance or doesn't have the clubhead speed. And so that iron is doing great in the marketplace as well. So we have a a really a great lineup now um when you look at the you know 790 is really the one that's down there in that 5 to 15 range even though you got 20 handicaps playing that. And then you can go work your way up to the Sim Max iron, probably more in the you know 8 to 18 handicap range. And then you got the Sim Max OS which is probably anywhere from 10 to 25 handicap for the guy who really needs the distance. So and all of those irons feel great. Um, Obviously, the P790 has got a really solid feel. It's got a forged look. And then we also have, you know, below that the 770, um, the 730 irons, which are really more for that tour caliber player. Um, we actually offer Tiger Woods' as iron if anybody ever wants to either have that as an office set or actually wants to try to play it, which uh, good luck to play that if you're not a tour caliber <laughs> player, but uh, <laughs>
1: great, great line yeah. of iron. Uh, you know it's funny you mentioned the the P7 TWs because that's that was going to be my next question around. You know, you look at that set of irons and and uh, I'm I'm curious who's buying those because obviously they're made for Tiger Woods or that caliber player. And I think you know we go out and we see Tiger playing great last year at the Masters, you know, with those irons, and and, and the next thing you know, well, we we want to play like Tiger. So let's go buy his irons. I'm not sure that's a great right, right. strategy, right? So I was curious, how, you know, what what you're seeing from a sales and, and a, just feedback perspective for people that are going out, rushing out to buy those irons and then trying to play them.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that, you know, the irons have done really well for us. We didn't know when we started this project and we worked closely with Tiger. Obviously, we wanted to make an, an iron that Tiger would play himself. And that was quite a process and a great learning experience for us. Um, We got him into the driver in the woods first, but he said, you know, hey, I want to take my time and make sure this iron is just dialed into my needs. And and we really took the time, you know, the first year he was on contract doing that and then obviously got it in play for him. And then we said, hey, how about if we offer this as our kind of our, you know, supplement to the P730 forged iron. And uh, we did that, and little did we know that he was going to win the Masters last year and the thing has just really exploded because, you know, what a what an incredible story that was. And so I'm sure a lot of people, you know, around the world are buying that just to have it as a commemorative type thing. That that's the set of of irons that you know he, he had the, probably the most incredible comeback in the history of sport to win that. Um And then some people are actually playing it. You know, if you're down there single digit player, yeah, go ahead and give it a shot. We actually have an option. Um, because he, if you look at the loft that the average tour player plays, it's a, it's a weaker loft than say what we offer in our, um, semi-irons, right? Because those guys really forward press it. Um, they're hitting down on the ball severely and they trap it, right? And so they can play a weaker loft. And if you give that weaker loft to an average player, he kind of releases the club and uh doesn't have the same shaft lean, they're going to hit it too high, it's not going to go far enough, right? So we adjust the lofts to make it work for the swing type. Well, Tiger actually has a weaker loft than the average tour player on his specs. It's almost two degrees weaker on some clubs than the average tour player who's weaker than the average player. So even some tour players probably shouldn't be playing Tiger's irons, right? So we do have an option wow. if you go to buy those that you can click on their – that you want Tiger's actual specs, uh, which would be two degrees weaker. And then I'd say definitely just keep a measure off a set.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Todd, let's talk wedges. And, um, you know, I'm intrigued by uh, your new high toe wedges that have the grooves that cover the entire face of the club. And I've always wondered why grooves didn't always cover the entire face. But talk about that design.
2: Yeah, we're excited about that. Um, you know, first of all, just. Ever since we came came out with the milled grind uh, wedges, uh, our wedge business has been growing. Um, And then we came out with the high toe, um, you know, a year and a half ago, and that thing really just took off. And that was the first one to have the the grooves all across the face. And that really came from feedback from some of our tour players, you know, specifically Dustin Johnson um, noted that a lot of times when he opens that thing up and hits a flop shot or out of the sand, the ball can actually slide up and be off the toe or even off the high toe, right? So he's like, why don't we extend that toe up a little bit higher just to make sure you're always going to catch some face and why wouldn't you have the grooves out there for that type of shot, right? Um, and so that's when we came out with that and the high toe has done great for us. Um, we've since now come out with a really exciting iron that we came out with last fall, I think right before I talked to you in November, um, which is called the Milled Grind 2. And what that one is, is we actually have a, a unplated raw face on a carbon steel face. So it's actually going to rust a little bit. Um, but the rest of the, of the head is plated with, uh, chrome, uh, plating, nickel chrome. So it will never rust. So the beauty of that is you get all the performance benefits of the better spin characteristics, especially in wet conditions that a raw face gives you, which pretty much every tour player plays a raw face. But it's got the beauty of a chrome uh, finish. It's just a beautiful wedge. So when you show up in the store, it's not going to be kind of the whole head's not rusted. we got a nice sticker that goes over the face that protects that. Peel that off. And then once you play, it'll start to rust a little bit, not too bad. But you'll get that spin benefit. But you don't have to look in your bag and see this rusty, completely rusty wedge, which the tour players are used to. But the average golfer isn't really used to that. They've never really done that well. So we're really the first company to ever offer that combo. Um, but now we've also supplemented the high toe with our Bigfoot high toe, um, which is just a really easy to play wider sole, almost, you know, like some of those, uh, infomercial type wedges where you can just hit it out of any lie. And it's got the high toe benefit, the score lines across the whole face and just a really easy to club to hit out of, uh, rough or, or the sand for the, maybe a lot of times for the golfer. That doesn't really have the skill to really open it up the way you should. A lot of times, that a better player would with those wedges that just squares the face a little bit more. It's got that wider sole that allows them just to swing, and, and the ball just gets out of out of the the junk.
1: Yeah, and and that wedge has got me so excited. I mean, I can't wait to get my hands on one of those things because, as uh, I've, I've said on this show in the past, you know, probably the weakest part of my game is uh, greenside bunkers. Because you know, I tend to to blade it way over the green, or I you know chunk it and leave it in the in the bunker. So it looks like with right. that wider sole that I can glide that that wedge right through the sand and, and at least get out. I mean, I'll, my goal is to yeah. just get out and give myself a putt at it. Is that what that's designed for? Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, totally. It's almost like cheating in those situations, right? Your success rate goes way up. So yeah, we're excited to offer that and and. Uh, just to kind of complete the whole lineup there uh, between high toe and mill grind two and, and now with the the high toe bigfoot, we, you know we got it pretty well covered on on the wedge front.
1: Let's uh, let's move on and let's talk about the the advancements for the spider putters. And I got to tell you, this, the the first generation spider putter is my all time favorite putter. I I seem to have gained a heck of a lot by uh, switching to that putter. Talk about what's new with the spider putters this year.
2: Yeah, the spiders, uh, you know, we have the Spider X putter out now, which is, uh, just a really r- nice refinement to our original Spider Tour putter, which is the one that really got TaylorMade on the map in terms of putters. Uh, we, we shot up to, uh, you know, over 20% market share in putters, which is a great milestone for TaylorMade. Um, uh, and that all started with Jason Day putting that red spider in play um and and the visibility we get we get with our team tailor made out there um with the with that style and then you know we got a lot of feedback we worked when we signed Rory got some feedback from him that he kind of liked the concept wanted to play a mallet but wanted it a little bit more refined uh, with some of the same uh MOI stability and that's where we worked on that Spider X which really has um you know, a, um, improved, uh, white stripe right down the middle that gives you good alignment capability. Um, it comes in a copper color. Um, and it also comes in a a beautiful blue color with that white stripe. And now we've expanded that to offer it in in like a chalk, uh, white color still has the white. It's kind of a tone on tone, just a beautiful color there. And that putter is continuing to get wider and wider use out on tour. Obviously tour. um, Rory is the main one that's out there that is uh pretty visible every week putting with that. But we got Matt Wolf, we've got Dustin Johnson, um, you have um you know uh most of our, our team TaylorMade, has kind of moved moved into that more modern version of the of the spider tour. So we're excited about that one. We also have another putter um that we just came out with, which we're calling the Truss Putter. And it's pretty uh pretty Cool thing. Definitely go check it out. It should be in all the putter corrals in your local, uh, shops or or at your clubs. Um, and what this is, is a really a new take on a blade putter. And, you know, there's a lot of golfers. You got guys like DJ, you got, uh, Tiger. They just like looking down. They're used to looking down at a blade putter and DJ knows he putts better with a, with a mallet, you know, so he'll usually go back to that spider. But then you know if he starts struggling, he'll go back to the, the blade again. And uh, and so a lot of them just are used to that and they know the blades don't give them the same stability that a mallet does, right? Because it just doesn't have that moment of inertia and, and it just can't because of the geometry. But what we found is a lot of the twisting that happens on an off center hit on a blade, which you'd be surprised at how off center golfers hit, even some tour players, but certainly the average player, a lot of that comes from can be offset by the stiffness of the connection between the shaft and the and the um, head and especially for center shafted blade putters if you ever hit those off center you can really feel that head rotating and it actually can affect your accuracy on a uh, you know a uh, like a 14 foot putt if you're open by 0.8 degrees on impact due to the rotation of the head. You're going to miss that putt, and that's a pretty tight tolerance to hold. So what we've done is we've developed this this truss system that really comes in as two connection points to the head um, that then come in to one connection point at the top of the hosel that adds additional stiffness um, to that kind of unsupported mass, um, which takes you from what would be about one degrees of rotation um, for a traditional um, Mounting down to between 0.2 to 0.4 degrees of rotation on that off center hit. So it definitely stiffens up, you know, that connection there. And then, but the cool thing is when you look down on it, it looks just like any blade putter. But from the back view, you, you say, Hey, what's going on with that, you know, truss connection there? So definitely check that out. And we're seeing some of the players on tour are starting to gravitate to that as well. The ones that kind of like that blade look.
1: Todd, one more before I let you go. And you guys have also done some work on your golf ball lineup. Uh, I see my Project A golf balls are gone, being replaced by a, a whole different line of similar style golf balls. Talk about what you guys have done uh, in the golf ball segment. Yeah.
2: So on the golf ball, as you know, you know, we're one of only two companies that can make a true cast urethane cover, right, of the, of the major brands out there. And the other one's the biggest golf ball company in the market. Um, we acquired those patents when we acquired MaxFly decades ago, and we've continued to refine that with our five-layered construction on the TP5 and the 5X, um, which is played by virtually all of our team tailor-made minus Tiger, who's still playing his uh, Bridgestone ball, which is much more spinny than, you know, again, he's a unique guy out there in terms of what he wants to play. But to totally tour validate, we believe it's definitely unquestionably the best uh ball in golf with that five layers and our cast urethane. But we also have another ball that's been around for a while called the Project A, which has that same tour quality cast urethane, but is a three piece ball similar say to the Pro V one, which is also cast urethane. Um but it sells for a lower price point down in the thirty five dollar range as opposed to up in the fifty plus range. And uh a lot of golfers you know, want to have the benefit of that cast urethane without without paying that higher price point. And, uh, we've had that project day around for a while and we really decided to really highlight the fact that this is a tour caliber cover with the cast aspect. So we, we've renamed that now to be tour response because it's really this golfer wants the ball to respond the way they need it for their slightly lower Club had speed, right? So we have a new response lineup, which is this tour response, which is a three-piece ball, cast urethane, great performing for that golfer, especially good performance around the green, checks up on chips shots, which, by the way, the average distance that a average golfer is away from the hole on their third shot on a par four is actually 30 yards. That's the average distance. Well, what does that mean? Wow. That means they're, on average not they're not on the green, right? And what are they doing? Right. They're doing a little 30-yard chip shot, right? So, um yeah. this, this ball is really designed to help him hold the green um and not slide off, you know, skid off to the back and be, end up in the bunker on the other side. So, great ball for that player. We also have uh, it's companion ball, which is a um our best three-piece ionerer ball um which is, you know, uh, competing with a lot of other ionomer balls out there. We think this one's the best in the market, which again, it has that response technology, which is designed to respond, um, to lower speeds, give them, uh, more, more ball speed. And it's got a brand new dimple pattern, a seamless dimple pattern on there to give that golfer a little bit more lift, keep the ball in the air longer. So, um, that's one's called the soft response. And then the tour response is the cast thing ball. So we're excited about those. We also introduced a brand new uh, PIX design, um, which has what we're calling clear path alignment. It's a really a cool ball that um, is being played on tour by Ricky Fowler. Um, so it's got a little bit of that orange uh, uh, Oklahoma State uh, coloring in there that he helped do. And he actually helped us design a, a new way to move the side stamp in line with the TaylorMade logo and get rid of the side stamp that allows you to have one continuous path when you line up the picks. Um, so you kind of see a, a, a visual image of your ball, whether you hit a straight shot, um, on, on your putts, which is pretty cool. So we're excited about that. We've also added some colors into the, uh, TP5 and 5X line. We have yellow, uh, for both of those that are going to be coming out, um, um i think next month so that's that's pretty exciting as well that those are coming so we're definitely adding a lot more to the ball line um and it is again it's probably our fastest growing single product category for the company because of really the the technology behind that cast urethane and the five-piece construction
1: well todd before i let you go let our listeners know how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're coming out with Follow you guys, whether it's uh, it's on your website or it's uh, over social media as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. If you go to our website, we've got great uh, 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 deep dives on there if you want to learn more about the products. And then definitely you can follow us on social media. Um, definitely follow all our Team made players. Um, starting with Tiger Wiz has probably got the biggest social media following of all golfers. Um, Rory's probably not far behind and, uh, DJ, John Rom. We got some great young guys that are pretty active. Uh, Matt Wolf and Colin Markawa that, uh, they're all going to be, as they put these new products in play, they're going to be talking about how it works for them. And, and obviously we're running a lot more, trying to be a much more approachable brand. Um, cause we really spent a lot of time designing products like D types, uh, for the average golfer. And so take a look at our TV commercials we're running that are going to really explain a lot more, um, how these products work for, uh, average golfers as well.
1: Well, Todd, I always learn a heck of a lot. Every time you come on the show, I hope you'll come back again soon. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more great stuff to come. i always enjoy spending time with you. And like I say, I hope you'll be back again, uh, here before too long.
2: Sounds good, Chris. I'd love to, and yeah, it was great to finally get to talk about the new stuff. Thanks for giving me some time.
1: Absolutely, Todd. Take care. All the best to you and your family, and everyone there at TaylorMade. Looking forward to catching up soon.
2: All right, you too, Chris. Thanks.
1: That's a great Todd Beach, and folks, that was as educational about you know a lot of great new equipment that they that they've got coming out, and I'm I'm excited. Tell you what, between you know the the Sim Driver and the Sim Three Wood, and again. Best three-wood I've ever hit off the deck. You know, you guys know, I'm, I'm almost 55 years old I've been playing this game since I was 12. And uh, suddenly I'm able to hit a three-wood off the deck now uh, with, with, these, with this brand new three-wood. So very excited about that. And I got to be honest, as you guys know, I talk about my struggles in the bunker, the new Bigfoot wedge. And for those of you who already know me, you know me, I'm a Bigfoot fan just in general. But you put that, you stamp that on a wedge. It's got a, a thicker sole that's going to help me get out of the bunker in one and get on the green. And, and I'll take whatever putt I've got. That's got me very, very excited. Can't get, can't wait to get one of those in my bag. And then the tour response golf ball. You, you guys know I play the project A golf ball and that's, uh, that's been my favorite golf ball for the years it's been out and now uh, a little bit different. And I love the yellow and looking forward to getting that, those balls in play as well. So a lot of great, exciting stuff. From TaylorMade and uh, Todd's a lot of fun. Hopefully, we get to get him back on the show again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Scott Felix, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Positive Vibes Golf. And you can find them online at PositiveVibesGolf.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at PVibesGolf. Their head covers and putter covers are a very unique way to keep your mind focused on positive thoughts because they're a great on course training aid as well. Because They help you stay positive by putting positive, happy images in your mind every time you go back to your golf bag and you look at your head covers, you're going to smile. See why I say that by going online to PositiveVibesGolf.com and give them a follow on Twitter at P-Vibes Golf. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Scott Felix, and Scott has 20 years of experience with club fitting and repair. He's worked with players like Lauren Roberts, Casey Wittenberg, Tom Stickney, our good friend Sean McKeel. Scott has been consistently named a top 100 club fitter by Golf Digest and among the best in the business by companies like Callaway and Mizuno and Ping. Uh, if it's happening in golf equipment, Scott knows about it. And if you're anywhere near Memphis, Tennessee, and you want to get perfectly fit for your golf clubs, or better yet, want to get a set of golf clubs you know, built from the bottom up, go see Scott. Check him out online at FelixClubWorks.com and on social media at FelixClubWorks. I'm very excited. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Scott, thanks for coming back on the show.
3: Hey, thanks for having
1: me, Chris. How are you? I'm fantastic, my friend. How are things going up in Memphis?
3: It's, it's doing good right now. No rain. Sun's coming out. Starting to see some green grass. Wow.
1: There, so,
4: yeah.
1: I'm jealous as hell. We haven't had, we've had sun, I think, one day. In the last couple of months, we've had nothing but rain after rain after rain, so I'm still dying to get my golf clubs out and get out on the rain to start practicing. Good for you guys for starting to get some sunny weather. Yeah,
3: so, supposed to Scott, rain next ten days, but it's,
1: uh, it, uh, yeah, it's
3: sunny all day today.
1: Scott, for, for those of us that you know are around the country and are starting to see, like you said, some green grass and we're dying to get the clubs out of the garage and onto the golf course, but you know, many of us... We've had the same golf clubs that we bought off the rack a few years ago. Should we just head out to the driving range and start swinging the same old swing with the same old clubs, or what should we be doing?
3: I think the first thing anybody should do, you know, getting ready for the season, is make sure they go through the bag, make sure they freshen their grips up. Um, If they had a particular issue last season, struggle a little bit out of the bunker, like what you were talking about a minute ago uh, with your previous guest short getting stuff or getting off the tee correctly without fading it, hitting it in the woods or snap hook it in the, you know, the trees, um, you know, try to tighten up and address some of the issues that you had. Maybe if it's, you know, I'm getting back out there, I want to make sure my line loss are correct, put some new grips on, try to just go over there and give a little, little love to the club since I've been sitting in the closet for a few months in the off season.
1: So Scott, when, when, when some, when you fit somebody, Right, then, you know, you've got a variety of different club heads, a variety of different shaft options at your uh, at your shop. You know, talk about how how those differ, how those club heads differ from manufacturer to manufacturer, and how you decide what the right you know club mixture between club head, shaft, grip is for you know the different people that you have an opportunity to work with.
3: I think the first thing when you get somebody in the office is really trying to understand what their goal is. You know, what are they trying to achieve? Are they trying to hit a little bit higher, or take a little bit of that fade out of there, or turn it over a little bit more, reduce spin? So, you know, that first initial conversation, having with them, trying to figure out what, what their issues are, where they'd like to go, looking at the equipment that they have, and then knowing what products that I have in my office, um, which is every manufacturer, tons of different shaft options um, and just trying to start migrating them in certain directions to see if that helps them improve those areas of what they're doing. So uh, not as efficiently as they like. So um, for example, if somebody's just fading a little too much, you know, how is their driver set up? Uh, You know, they think that they're hitting the ball too high when they slice it. So you'll have guys that'll put their hosel, especially like on a tailor made driver, they'll put it on lower which they don't know that they just opened the face up two degrees. Now they're hitting it more right. So they start coming into more swing issues and problems and coming over the top and all that other stuff. So um, all the adjustability of the golf, golf clubs phenomenal, uh, and it's awesome and it's good for sitters across the country to dial in somebody exactly the way they want them or need that particular player to be, but almost make sure that the player kind of hides the wrench from themselves because a lot of times, I see more people adjusting <laughs> it the opposite way than the than the correct way that's actually going to, you know, help them out. Uh, I had a gentleman in this afternoon, hits the ball super high, tends to hit it left, and he had a TaylorMade driver, and he had it set on higher, and it was basically playing 11 degrees, two degrees shut, and he couldn't understand why it was going up and left. I said, well, that's kind of how you have it set. So he's trying to fight it, making it go more right. The driver's trying to go more left, so they're – They're fighting each other all day, and he wants to know why he struggles so much hitting the golf ball and playing. Educating the person a little bit, you know, trying to understand visually what they like. There's different shapes. They might not know how to explain what they like or they don't like, but as you're handing them stuff, you know, however they can give me feedback helps me really kind of start guiding them more and more to a fine-tuned decision that's going to help them out in those areas.
1: Scott, just to take that, you know, a half a step further, and we talk all the time right here on the show, and you and I have had this discussion before, but, you know, about the importance of trying to get fit and and the fact that players like me, we're not good enough not to get fit. But talk about when you're working with somebody, the difference between their swing is off and their clubs aren't fit to them. How are you trying to dial those two things in? Or do you work with whatever swing I come in there with? All right, now I'm going to try to give you the best tool in your hand to at least try to mitigate. Like you talk about some of the things that we're doing to try to overcompensate.
3: I think that's that's a tough one there because there's a little people that um, there's a few people every year that it's so off that no matter what you put in their hands, they're just from a fundamental standpoint they have no direction whatsoever and. I know a lot about the golf swing and why it's doing what it's doing. I've built golf clubs for 25 years, so I know how to swing weight it or tip it a little bit different, or make it shorter, or build the grip up a little bit, or try to, you know, massage variables in there to help certain things that they're trying to get in and out of. But you know, I have a few every every once in a while that it's so bad that they've got to get some of the fundamentals under their belt before I could even get a driver in their hand because they're they're are hitting, you know, they're top and 10 in a row. There's no way they can even make contact. So that part of it, they get a little bit ahead of it, but the biggest thing when guys get in there is understanding, well, why why are they doing what they're doing? You know, is their ball position too far back? Do they have a weak left hand? You know, just watching some simple little things. Are their shoulders aimed way left? Or, you know, what are they doing? Why is that shot really getting there? Is it always a golf club? No. I think there's a fine line that between fitting and teaching. I think every great teacher needs a great fitter, and every great fitter needs a great teacher somewhere around. They work hand-in-hand, hand. so there's two variables uh, to all this stuff. But But the main thing that I see from the average golfer all the way up to the professional golfer is that when they start getting things skewed, pretty bad is when one of those five fundamentals is getting out of whack. And I'm talking about grip, posture, stance, alignment, ball position. And once they start moving it one way or the other, no matter what one of those variables are, they have to do something else to offset what they just did wrong. And before you know, it's kind of like a domino effect. So listening to the player when they first come in there, hey, what are you trying to achieve today? What's going on? I've only got them a small window of time trying to really understand what they're doing. And just having that great conversation, but then watching them hit a handful of balls right off the bat with their golf club, specking their golf club out, seeing what's going on, watching what they're doing when they're setting up, ball position, grip, stance, how they're having the face, if it's shut or open. And then just kind of walking them through, helping them understand kind of what's going on, and at the same time, giving them really good you know, combinations that are going to help mask it even more so you start seeing people get faster, better. And the whole thing is about growing the game of golf and making people, especially the average person, have more and more fun when they go out and they want to go play more and spend more time out there and enjoy it more.
1: And Scott, you mentioned a moment ago us dealing with the wrench and, and, and making all kinds of crazy moves with, with the drivers and making them adjustable and that sort of thing. And And for those of us, and I got my hand in the air, who don't know what we're doing when we're making adjustments with the driver, do you pull, you know, folks aside and say, okay, here's here's what this does. When you loosen this and you twist that, this is this is the end remark. So like you talked about a moment ago, we're not making it even worse, thinking thinking we're doing the right thing, but we're actually doing the opposite of what we need to be doing with it.
3: So what's hard is is trying to explain to somebody when you take loft off, you're opening the face up. It it doesn't register in people's heads. And, and trying to give them a visual and show you, show them actually how that works and how the tips and those shafts, how they're slightly bent at such a so 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 small that it gives that face sitting open a little bit more or a little less. Uh, it's just making sure that they kind of understand what's going on at the end and why you did what you did. But at the same time, I always tell them call me or text me if something's going wrong before you start kind of messing with it. Let me know what you're going to do, and I'll tell you whether it's going to help or hurt. Just because I want them to keep playing good golf, and I want them to keep them engaged and not all of a sudden, if they feel like they're falling off the wagon a little bit, and then they mess it up, they're really off the rails big time then. So I uh, remember when Adjustable Drivers first came out, a couple of my tour players, they couldn't wrap their mind around being able to take a shaft out and move it, and all of a sudden it's sitting different, the loft's different, it looks different. They just couldn't wrap their mind around it. And uh, they go, I don't even want to take a chance of even messing with it. So will you just glue the tip into the head once I get it the way I want it? That way I have no you know, chance of even thinking about taking that thing out, messing with it.
1: Well, let's talk about shaft length. Because one of the things that I think the notion is always the longer the shaft, the further we can drive the golf ball. When I think about when I'm starting to get wayward, if I'm going to you know, slice the ball off into the rough or worse into the trees, because I'm trying to hit it too hard or whatever it is I'm doing and it, it's going wrong. If we shorten the shaft a little, an inch or so, does, does that help us gain more control? We may lose a little distance, but it, it's actually better, at least for someone like me, because I'd rather be hitting it in the short grass than uh, maybe driving up another 10 or 15 yards and finding it in the rough.
3: Well, you got most guys that they tend to get deep. They come over the top. That's I would say that's your average golfer. And when you give them something longer and longer, it makes it harder and harder to hit in the face. And the longer it is, the more they get stuck when it comes when it gets long. Um, so shorter feels a lot better to guys. And the other thing, it helps you hit it in the center of the face way more often. And there's a lot of people with exactly that that sentiment of thinking that hey, if I go from 45 and a half to 44 and a half, I'm gonna lose club head speed. I go, all right, well let's try it. So I have shaft options that are in short. I'll let them hit golf balls and just go, okay, did you feel like you, you know, what did you think that was? And they look up on the board and their number is either the same, it can go a little faster or it might just be a mile an hour slower, but they feel more comfortable at that shorter length. They're hitting it more in the center of the face and it's way better result just because you can control something shorter. The other thing, too, is when you show them that, hey, you're consistently, your smash factor is higher, you're hitting it more in the center of the face, and even if you are two miles an hour lower, and you hit it in the face and you're more efficient, you're actually hitting it five to ten yards further than the one that you hit in the face every once in a while, two miles an hour faster clubhead speed. Doesn't mean your ball speed's any better, and once they start kind of understanding that, people just think, shorter, I'm going to hit it shorter, and that's not the case.
1: Kyle, you just mentioned smash factor, and we have so many data points out there now uh, you know, with uh, with uh, TrackMan and all of that sort of thing. And we hear smash factor. Tell us what it is.
3: Smash factor is how efficient you are hitting the golf club in the center of the face. Um, usually, one five zero one point five zero is perfect. You know, for a driver, and and the easy way to understand that is if your club head speeds a hundred miles an hour. Your ball speed should be one and a half times faster than your club head speed. So club head speeds 100, ball speed should be 150. And so if you take a driver and just keep using the 100 mile an hour, you know, point and you're not hitting it in the face and your smash factor is 143 or one four you're nine miles an hour off. Basically for every mile you're off in ball speed, that can cost you two to two and a half yards. So that's quite a bit.
1: Scott, just a couple more before I let you go. And you also do a great job and you've got a putting lab and that's I think that's one club in our bags that we don't often think about that we need to get fit for. Talk about the steps involved and what you do to get people into the right putter.
3: The uh the putter y'all were discussing earlier, the spider putter, was is probably one of my favorite putters from back in the day and is very, very popular. You see other companies actually copying that in so many different ways. But back in the day, they had six different tops with alignment aids. And the thing that I like about that is you could, you used to be able to click different alignments on top of that spider putter back for the tour guys where you had one single line, no lines, two lines. Uh, they called it the half court because it looked like a free throw line with one line or you had the full court with two of them, uh, kind of like a mini two ball kind of look. Uh, but you could take a guy and I could put them on my laser grid board, which I can put a laser, a a mirror on the toe of the putter, I have a laser shooting out from this board, and I could take different alignment tops with the same putter that has the same lie, loft, length, everything, and people would aim them different based on how you visually see it. So the main thing that I like to do with, with people when they're putting, and the main thing about putting is whatever they do, on their full swing, if they tend to cut across it a little bit, or they have a lot of face rotation, or they tend to block it, when you put them on the putting board and you start watching what they're doing, they do exactly every single time um, what they do in their full swings. You don't really have anybody that blocks it on their on their uh, full swing and go over there and they start hitting kind of you know a lot of face rotation because they don't know how to rotate the face anyway. So, um, getting people on the laser grid board understanding what they're doing if they're more of a straight back straight through they have a lot of arc um they tend to dump the putter a little bit hit it on the bottom kind of chipping it um it can detect all that showing where their impact is loft wise and directional left or right so i can start changing different variables in the fact of lines that are longer typically aim a little more left shapes will let you aim more left lines more forward typically or are a little straighter, more to the right. So kind of watching what the person's doing and then matching up a hosel. Most people don't realize that an answer neck or a little slant neck, a single bend, a double bend, a center shaft, they're all coming on mallet putters now. And mallets, are, you see more and more guys on tour putting with mallets because they're easier to line up. But before you could only really get them one way. It was either center shafted or face balanced and, it really never fit a lot of people's stroke type or their natural tendency, so it didn't feel functionally correct to them. But now you have so many different shaft, hosel options on these mallet putters. People are starting to putt better and better because they're lining it up easier. They got more confident, and then they have a neck that actually fits their natural stroke type, so they're starting to enjoy it and, and build that confidence on the grains.
1: Scott, before I let you go, and this is all great stuff, I can't thank you enough for that, um, let our listeners know about the services that uh, that you have and, and where they can find you and uh, the place that uh, you're working out of now up there in Memphis.
3: I'm at Spring Creek Ranch in Cardiville, Tennessee, was just a little outside of Memphis, uh, probably about 20 minutes outside of Memphis. Uh, I do anything from A to Z, anything that you want to get done, I can get done in my office from fitting to building to anything you want to do. Um, but if you want to learn anything or contact me, you can go to FelixClubWorks.com.
1: Scott, I can't thank you enough for coming back and being a part of the show. Always learn something every time you're a part of it. I hope you'll come back again soon and you know, share more of your insights and the things that you're doing and educate us on how we can hit better golf shots. You're fantastic, my friend. Thanks so much, Chris. Love coming on. Take care, Scott. All the best to you and your Thanks. family. We'll catch up soon. You too, Chris. Thanks so much. That's a great Scott Felix. FelixClubWorks.com is his website, and that Felix ClubWorks on social media. I'm telling you, just like I said uh, earlier in the show, if you need to know something about golf clubs and how, you know, how they work and how they work with your swing from the ground up, he's your guy. Go check him out online and give him a follow-up. Look forward to getting Scott back on the show again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, uh, Brian Jacobs, this, this segment of the show, folks, is sponsored by our good friends at the PGA TOUR Superstore.
0: This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA TOUR Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA TOUR Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATOURSUPERSTORE.COM. Now
1: back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back in making his eighth appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Brian Jacobs. Let me remind you about Brian's background. He earned his undergraduate degree and then his Master's of Education from State University in New York at Brockport. He became a PGA Assistant Director of Instruction at Ravenwood Golf Club up in Rochester, New York back in 2006, simultaneously becoming a staff instructor for Hank Haney Golf. In 2010, he became the Director of Instruction and a Hank Haney Certified Instructor at a Country Club in Rochester. 2014, became a lead instructor on the Golf Channel Academy. 2015, he started the Brian Jacobs Golf Academy at Ridmont Country Club up in Rochester. I've got my Brian Jacobs Golf hoodie on out of my deep respect, uh, respect and appreciation for Brian for all he's brought to this show and for the game of golf, and very excited. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Brian, how are you, my friend? Chris, thanks so
4: much for that great intro, uh- I've got my bills stuff on, and you've got Brian's <laughs> golf here. That's phenomenal.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll take mine. You can keep yours. Time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, Brian, I I want to start off our time. I want to get some opinions from you about the game of golf before we start getting into and uh, some playing lessons. And you and I got caught up in a Facebook debate uh, with our friend David Ogren about technology and how far the golf ball flies. And and David's point is. You know, we need to grow the game of golf. And if we roll the golf ball and the clubs, the technology back, the game is just going to become harder. And therefore, fewer young people are going to want to play it because, you know, they like hitting it 300 plus yards. And if they only drove it 270, game becomes a little harder. Maybe they go back to playing video games and won't play golf. And and kind of my point is, I think we need bifurcation and, you know, let the amateurs like, you know, like me, let us have whatever technology and hit it as far as we want and, and go play, you know, college Baseball has aluminum bats and college football plays by a different, uh, different set of rules. So there's some precedent, you know, for having rules at different levels for different levels of the game. So, you know, from a pro perspective, you know, let's roll it back for them. But what I don't want to see, Brian, are places like St. Andrews become a pitch and putt because they're driving at 400 yards and they just got to chip it onto the green. And, you know, these guys are going to be breaking 60 out there. Um, I just don't like the bomb and gouge. Sort of thing, but wh- right.
4: what's your thought? Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I, I see both sides of it. I've looked at bifurcation, and and I also look at it as a teacher. You know, we work very, very hard, obviously, to get our students to to play well, and they all want to hit it farther. And some are capable, and some are not. And we're, you know, overspeed training and and training. And and I would, you know, saw your your point, which you eloquently made. online and and of course i'm respectful of that i see david's point as well but but uh yeah i guess i don't want to skirt the issue too much uh people like the long ball they like you know they they go to football games for offense they go to baseball games for offense but i think when you're looking at the game of golf uh I, i do think something needs to be done you know on the tour level and i don't know what it is you can't really build longer golf courses um there's no space, you know, to do that anymore on a lot of the golf courses that they play. You know, do you grow up the rough? Uh, like was what happened at Bay Hill? Um, you know, and you get a little wind and then do, do we really want to see people shoot 83 or 85, you know, a tour player? I mean, it's just kind of all over the, all over the map, but, uh, I can definitely see where bifurcation could happen, you know, at the pro level, um, you know, at the tour level for sure. These guys just, well, you've seen them. They just smash it. I mean, it is just so far. Um, and, and the average player, we should never take that away from them. We should allow them to hit it as far as they want, juice up the equipment as much as we can and make it fun for them, or teach them to move forward, which was a, a huge initiative a long time ago. Um, and, and it seems like we've gotten away from that as well, like playing the appropriate teams. Um I listened to my good friend Michael Breed, and it's a lot about, uh, you know, T boxes or being able to play based on swing speed, um, you know, and which makes a lot of sense. Uh, you have people that have a driver's speed of 82 miles per hour and they're back at 7,200 yards because, you know, they want the challenge and now you're looking at a five and a half hour round. Uh, and it's just, there's so many issues in the game right now that, and, and although it's healthy, which is, which has been, you know, great to see, uh, the Academy's busy and, And um, I guess there's no clear answer for me yet. I'm a TBD guy, but I certainly see both sides of the issue. I want to see the amateur be able to enjoy the game and bring them into it. But I also want to see the professionals, um, the most skilled players in the world, um, you know, be able to make birdies, but also, like you said, not turn these courses into chip and puss.
1: So there's a couple of things that that I want to – go a little deeper on from what you just said and and the idea of multiple tees right and bill bergen has talked about that on the show many times about you know going out to going to the range at the the golf courses that he designs and and teeing off there and seeing how far you hit it which will then determine what tees you should be playing right for for guys like me you know that you know been playing for as long as i have there's sort of a stigma right to moving up right? right i mean I, you know, whether you play the blues or the whites or the reds or the golds, they sort of came with a stigma that, uh, right. kind of says something yeah. about you. The guys tend to, you know, at least guys, I don't know about the, from, a, from a lady's perspective, but we tend to think, well, you know, I'm, I'm a good player. I'm, I'm playing the blues. Right. And then to right. your point, it takes us five and a half hours and we shoot 110. Right. So I exactly. think that that's, that's something that needs to change. What are your thoughts on that?
4: I totally agree. I, been a big proponent of not coloring the tees number one you know and then I get it a lot It, it you know it's, I'm, I'm going away this week actually Friday we leave for Bay Hill and uh, I've talked to players already that are going on the trip we'll play a number of different golf courses in the Orlando area but let's make sure you know that you guys are at the proper tees and here's where you should play and well I'm not going to play the ladies tees you're not playing the ladies tees there's no such thing there's forward middle back whatever they have um, I try to be really strong with the language about that. And then also based on, okay, you're going to go play back at 6600 and you hit your driver 210. <laughs> you know, the, you're never going to reach par four and two ever. Um, you know, you're going to be hitting long irons in and hybrids in and three woods in. I think it would be much more fun. And, and I'll move up actually with guys. Uh, we have a couple in the group that'll play forward because they don't have the ego about it. So I'll move right up with them. I think that's a blast. I think that's fun. So I would take the colors away from the tees, number one. And then number two, we got to rename. We got to start an initiative to have these called forward, middle, back, uh, and way back, (laughs) you know, or or not you tees. (laughs) Right? We got you and not you and not you and not you and not you. Um, Possibly. You know, it's and and no. I get it. I've taught students before that I had a gentleman a number of years ago that he refused to move up. He just would not. You know, I'm not moving off the white tees. Well, he was a doctor. I go, doc, it's sixty-seven hundred yards, and you're seventy-five years old. This can't be fun. You know, up there is fun, and to this day, I I think he's still around. I would imagine that he never moved up ever for round of golf. He just Get it in their head; they're not moving.
1: I think we got it. I agree with you. I think we got to change some somehow, some way, so the so the ego and the old stigma is gone, and now it's just a, a different. You know, we're calling it something different. I agree. That's a great idea. Hey, talk to me about Bay Hill. You know, you say you're going yeah. down there. I'm curious to get your thought on on last uh, last week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. To your point, there were there were a lot of 80s. Shot out there, yeah. and you know, only four guys yeah. finished under par. What What did you think of it? Do you enjoy watching that kind of golf, or or do you not like to see uh, the guys struggle, and you'd rather see more birdies?
4: I'd rather see more birdies, not birdie fast, but but certainly more birdies. I just I think it's I don't know if it's humbling or demoralizing to have a professional, you know. And I've been in that boat before, even in playing section events where oh boy, pro shot par right, 79 or 80, and an eighty is a big deal. Like you don't wanna put an eighty up. Seventy nine just seems so much better, uh, even though it's one shot but, but I, I just uh I prefer to see more birdies and then I I like to see like the open the opens um you know be a little bit more difficult, a little trickier and, and much more firm conditions, but I think this is kind of the way the game's gonna move a little bit. You know, the golf course superintendents are gonna and the tournament, um, providers are going to start making it a lot tougher. They're going to start growing the rough out and growing it up. And they're not going to let the guys come in and tear their courses apart. So I, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a trend, you know, down the line as it just keeps going. So, so to answer your question, roundabout, I don't like to see the tour players shoot 80 or 85. I'd much rather see them shoot 70 or 65.
1: So talk about your trip. Why? uh What got you going down to Bay Hill, especially right after the API?
4: Well, it's funny. We uh, I I used to do this a long time ago. I used to go visit a uh, good friend uh, Ed Bow, who was in uh, was in Amelia Island, and I used to take an annual trip. And it started to get to be big. It started to be twenty people, twenty four people. The wives would go, stay at the resorts, and then it just got kind of hard to manage. So I took a couple years off, and I said, you know, I'm going to do ireland or something and i just never did it and so i have a number of students who are retired and uh and they've been students for quite a while and so we last year we went to um reunion and had a great time and so we said well i said well let's plan another trip we'll we'll go to golf channel uh you know tour the studio show you where where the you know where i do all my great work um and uh you know take a tour of the facility we'll play bay hill We'll play taking some of the local flavor, and and so I've got six guys going down, uh, you know, kind of a manageable trip, and we'll stay at the lodge, and and so we play Bay Hill uh, the seventeenth uh, at about two o'clock in the afternoon, and so these guys are they're just fired up because this is a bucket list trip for most of them, um, they would never even consider you know trying to get on there, so it'll be fun. I'll show them around, show them all the memorabilia and Mr. Palmer's office. Um, you know, the, the lodge is just, it's wonderful. Every time I went down to shoot content, they put you up there and, um, it's just phenomenal. That whole property. Sometimes you you stand there and you're like, wow. I mean, Arnold Palmer was here every day, you know, walking around and, and, um, had the good fortune to meet him before he passed away a number of years ago and, and, uh, just a true gentleman and, and really made an impact in a short, you know, short conversation. So bigger than life to me.
1: Brian, let's let's move on. Let's get some playing lessons uh, for our folks here that hopefully can help them shave some strokes off of their scores. And but um, one of the things that you and I were talking about as well last week is how you like to have your students practice and play together. Talk about why you like to do that.
4: I like it because uh, there's always bright spots, you know, in your groups where somebody's um, exceptional at doing something that somebody else can't do. And when they practice together, you know, I encourage them all to ask questions. And probably one of the best ways to cement learning is to have the student teach the student or teach the teacher. Uh, so there'll be times where I'll ask questions and say, okay, take me through now. I'm the student and you're the teacher and I need you to hit this shot. Let's say we want you to hit a high, you know, high draw. So talk me through how you would, would do this. And they get a little nervous at first and, and I said, it's okay, don't worry about making a mistake. Just tell me how, what's in your mind, what's going through your mind on how you want this to happen. And, and so they'll just walk you through the steps, and then if you need to add anything in, you add it in. And so they become very proficient, you know, at thinking that way. And then if they're coming off the lesson tee and, and maybe, like last week, I had a, a group practice of myself with three other people, and we played. You know, we warmed up, and I showed them how we, you know, go through the process of, Putting first, then shipping, pitching, um, and then full swing through up to your driver, and then you go back and putt a little bit, and then you go back out and play. And they're like, "Wow, we never thought of that. We just jump out of our car and, <laughs> you know, um, you know, just run to the first tee." And so they start to learn processes. They start to learn how to think different, um, and then they also develop the camaraderie. They develop friendships, and so these trips that we go on. Um, these guys are, will be friends for the rest of their lives. You know, they enjoy each other's company when you're having breakfast, lunch and dinner and you're playing golf and you're talking and you're laughing and and they'll be like, man, how did you hit that shot on that hole? Oh, well, I, you know, turned the club a little bit to the left and I swung more to the right and right or wrong. It worked for them. Um, and so, yeah, you should give that a try, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's kind of cool to watch them practice together.
1: Brian, I want to, you, know, you mentioned, you know, kind of warming up and getting ready to go play around the golf. And mm-hmm. oftentimes when, when we're on the range, boy, the, the swing is good. The shot looks good. And then we go over to the first tee and and then not so much. How how right. can we do a better job at taking that beautiful swing that we just had on the practice range and take it over and translate it to uh on the course?
4: Well, the first thing I you know, share with people is, is number one, you don't want your swing to warm you up. You want to be warm before you swing or to swing. So it's important to spend a little time previous to you getting on the range, you know, loosening up properly, whether it be, you know, riding a stationary bike or doing some band stretch and foam roll and then come out. We need to really dedicate, you know, some time to warm up our bodies a little bit. And then truthfully on the range, we work a lot on just tempo, tempo issues, you know, just trying to find our tempo for the day. We all know our mechanics are good. Um, and people fall into this technical trap where they go and they play and they make the game very technical. And it's not at that time. It's physical and mental and it's tactical at that time. There's very, you know, there's the technique part should be done. Um, so we try to help them relax. We try to help them get in a good mindset, and then get them into a process when they play where we teach um, what uh, Lynn and uh, Marriott and Pia Nielsen teach, where there's a play box, there's a think box, a play box, and a memory box. And then as we start to align, we teach them about trusting their eyes. So we always have them behind the golf ball and get in this process of getting behind the golf ball, trust your eyes when you pick your target, set the club face, then set your feet and just, you know, let it fly. Don't spend a lot of time over the top of the ball. And then when you get, after you hit your shot, you just objectify it, whether it's great or good or good enough or no good. And then you're on to your next one. And um, if you start to see patterns where your misses are all over the place, you've got to get one way. you got to get it to one way, whichever way you pick. Get it either right or left and then we can fix it from there as you're playing golf. And uh, it, it's kind of ironic, but it's been warm up here this winter. So uh, yesterday it was in the 60s, and one of my guys that I had today uh, said that uh, he was out playing his club and he kept blocking it. He kept hitting it to the right. So he told his group, he was a the he said, this one's going left. It's hooking and I don't care how far it goes. And so he, he hooked it, and then his eyes got really big and he said, and I said, what happened on your next drive?" He goes, I killed it. He said, I hit it. I piped it with a nice little draw. And I said, well, why do you think that happened? He goes, because I changed the pattern. He goes, I changed the club face just like we learned. And I'm like, hello. <laughs> Success. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there <laughs> it was you go. Fun. It was a
4: great story. You know, when you're you're talking about a 24 handicap telling the story, you know, and the, he just, he goes, I piped it. He goes, it was awesome. I'm like, good. I said, I guess we're getting somewhere.
1: Well, there you go. Brian, let's move a little closer to the green. And and one of the things that uh, many of us struggle with is, is feel and distance control, particularly on the, on the shorter pitch shots, you know, 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 mm-hmm. yards. What's a good Thanks. way for us to develop that feel?
4: Yeah, that's awesome. That's a phenomenal question. So we do uh, a random wedge ladder, it's called. So, uh, in our, in our, either our warming or our warm down, there's always wedge work in our lesson. So, uh, what we did today was we had eight different distances from 20 yards. So, uh, 20 to 85 or 90 yards today. And we would pair those. Like, let's say we had number one was 20 and number eight was uh, 90 yards. We would put one and nine together. And we'd have four different rounds. We'd go one, two, three, four, and then we'd go one and eight, two and seven, you know, three and six, four and five, and then the next round would be randomized different way. So they go through four rounds of carry uh, numbers only, and so they start to develop number sense and feel sense. How much the face is open, how much to drop the shaft, or how vertical to have the shaft. What's the ball? The kind of ball flight they want to have, and so we talk about. Um, heights and launch uh, and also spin on the golf ball and what's happening at that time period for them is they're starting to develop feel um, many people just kind of get into this block practice where they'll take 10 balls and they'll hit them from 20 yards um, and, and I'm more of a game player and more of a, a guy that likes to do random practice because it's more like golf uh, and the students really really respond to it they start to understand like how far 20 yards a carry is, how high they have to swing or how long their arc has to be, how open the face has to be, where the shaft needs to sit, where the ball needs to sit, how their body position needs to be. And and so they can develop feel. And we're all indoors right now, so it's pretty cool to watch how they're they're getting better and better and better at these games. And so that's what I would recommend. Uh, And I know not everybody has the facilities to do that, but you can take uh, a laser and just mark off spots on your local practice range and just take the yard sticks or yard flags or alignment sticks and just stick them in the ground at the numbers that you want them to be at and just go to work.
1: So is it a similar process for for those of us that are also struggling to have feel on our on our long putts, our lag putts? You know, we're mm-hmm. 30, 40, 50 feet from the hole. How do we mm-hmm. develop the feel and the touch? To try to get those closer.
4: It it would be the same thing. You know, you'd start to randomize your practice. We we work from 30 feet roughly, or 25 feet typically, to to three feet, and try. We set a grid around the hole, and it's not about making it; it's about getting inside that grid, where statistically, you know, you're not going to miss. So 17 inches typically, the amateur will make 99 out of 100. They'll always miss one. For some reason, I don't know why but they should make them all um you know most of the front friend, your friends I say like if you can get it inside of your friends or your buddies in your groups are going to give them to you you know they're they're pretty good about that, but we it's the same type of principle where we might have one at thirty then we'll have one at eight feet, then we'll have one at you know forty feet, then we'll have one at five feet, and so we move them around in a star uh, where there's nine or 10 different stations around the hole and they're in all different spots and, and that's how they develop their feel. Um, and, and I just did a big putting clinic um, <clears throat> at a, a local dome for uh, PGA Hope and I was talking to the students about how everybody has distance control. We all have it. It's intrinsic. If you take a a ball and somebody walks away from you and they have to hit you in the face with it, And you're walking away, and they have to toss it underhand, they'll be able to hit you. So, you have distance control. You can swing your arm the way it should go. We just tense up, and they get really nervous because uh, when they're putting, it seems to matter, (laughs) right? You know, and so, and I, you know, we talk a lot too about, well, if you don't want to have three putts, what do we need to do? And they're like, I don't know. Well, we'll hit it closer (laughs) with your irons, right? Become a better iron player as well, right? <laughs> or we'll or we'll say um, I talked today in a in a coaching session about uh, I heard I'm not sure when I heard this it might it might have been Mark Brody but he measures a statistic if I'm not mistaken about near the green in regulation and so not to minimize missing a green and what how close should we be getting it if we're if we keep missing short on the green but our direction is really really good you can still play great golf from being right in front of the green or pin high on one side or the other as long as you're not in a hazard. If you're a wedge assassin, so we need to make our wedges really, really good and our putting really, really good and our iron striking really good and get off the driver a little bit more and and become better iron players, become better wedge players. And and so the players at the academy have really bought into that.
1: Well, Brian, before I let you go, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing. Check out your videos. you got a lot of really good uh, teaching videos available. Talk about your website and how they can follow you on social media.
4: Sure. Well, thanks for the kind words about the videos. It's uh, brianjacobsgolf.com for the website. And then uh, Instagram and Twitter are at brianjacobsgolf.com. Uh, they can contact me right through the website, right on the contact form. Follow me on Instagram, and and also if anybody is interested, they can they can send a video, right right on Instagram or right through Twitter or right right uh, through the contact form, and I'm happy to assess it for free. So I expect your video soon.
1: Wow, no kidding! I'll be working on that this yeah. weekend. I promise you. I get that yeah, over to line. you.
4: Yep, down the line, and, and uh, whatever club you want, and we'll we'll coach you up online a little bit. Well, I appreciate ya. Yeah,
1: Brian, you. Brian, always fun having you as part of the show. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back. Uh, always so much fun when you're here.
4: Yeah, thanks, Chris. I always appreciate the uh, invitation and the opportunity to do that, and, and uh just wish you and
1: your family the best. Same to you and yours, my friend. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Play well at uh, at Bay Hill. Try to find uh, our our good friend Nat Sherry. Natalie Sherry is uh, down there as a as a caddy right now as she get, tries to get uh, you know kind of rehabbing to get back out on the Symmetra Tour. So say hello to her oh, if great. you happen to run into her. Oh, okay,
4: Hi Brian, take care, my friend. Okay. All right, thanks, Chris.
1: See you, Brian. That's a great Brian Jacobs, BrianJacobsGolf.com. And like I said, there's so many good videos that Brian has put together for all different aspects of your game. Go online and check those out. Can't help but learn something every time Brian is a part of the show. And every time you tee up one of his videos, you're going to come, uh, come away from that feeling a heck of a lot better that you figured out what's going on with your golf swing. So Brian's a, a wonderful guy and a great friend, and I can't thank him enough for being here. And uh, look forward to catching up with him on the other side of this Bay Hill trip, hear how that went, and then getting him back on the show again real soon. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T. My sincere thanks to Todd Beach, Scott Felix, and Brian Jacobs for being here. Please check out our website, nextonthet.net to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like, who's going to be joining me. Please also check out the show. It's available as a podcast on a lot of great sites. Our good friends over at podcast.co and Podbean. Can't thank them enough for all, the, all they've done for the show. We're also on Launchpad DM, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm. We're all over the net. You got a favorite podcasting site? Yeah, I'm sure we're on it. Folks, thank you again for taking time out of your night and making us a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.